fall. I know we've said it three or four times, but I am really glad to see you. I know it's cold outside. You know, and what better way to finish the year than to come to church and, and, and just say, hey, we're, we're finishing on a high note. So I think God's going to bless you for that. I pray that he does. I know that it is a big blessing to me. Um, you know, it's cold outside. It's warm inside. I remember this little church called Church of the Wildwood that I preached at. And it was about, I got to thinking, it's probably about this big. It be shorten the pews up a little bit, and it's about this size. And that's back, so you can hold about 50 people. Because someone got married on New Year's Eve, and it was, it was crammed. But anyway, uh, I showed up one day to preach, and there was, they had a little wood stove, and it was, it snowed a ton, so it was freezing cold. So that was the fastest message I think those people ever heard. <laughs> Sorry, you're not in for a treat like that today, because it's warm. Anyway, aside from the jokes, uh, today is the last day of the year 2017, which means tomorrow is 2018. And it's a good time of life to make New Year's resolutions. Anybody make any resolutions? No? I, I understand that. I, you know, I used to try to make a resolution. I thought I had a lot of resolve, which a good dictionary definition is a firm decision to do or not to do something. And I thought I was resolved to touch my toes for years upon years. But I, I guess I just wasn't, I wasn't resolved as much as I thought I was. I was resolved not to bite my fingernails. And I did do that. I mean, I grew up as a kid biting all my fingernails all the time. But finally, I was able to do it. But then I'm like, they're long. i got to cut them anyway. And so uh, I was resolved. It just didn't work out. Anyway, we've all had made resolutions, I'm sure, in the past, or firm decisions. I'm going to stop doing this, or I'm going to start doing that. Some we have failed at miserably. Some we have succeeded at successfully. And there's sometimes we make decisions based off of what our doctor tells us. Um, I have a friend back in Davenport who uh, when we'd go out drilling, it'd be 95 degrees, and he's out there with a cup of coffee. Didn't matter how hot it was. Finally, this last couple weeks, the doctor says, no more, Troy, no more coffee. So the doctors helped him to decide to make a firm decision that I'm going to stop this because it is unhealthy for me. But more than likely, we're making choices for ourselves. Any, any kids in school say, I have a resolve to get A's on my report card? Like, I have a firm decision, like, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. Nope, nobody wants A's. Okay, B's? Okay, this isn't looking too good. Uh, maybe in sports, I resolve not to foul as much. I resolve to make the varsity team. Uh, I resolve when it comes to uh, the track team to be the fastest person or to beat my time that I had last year. We have a resolve in that. We have a resolve in, in the way we uh, perceive ourselves. Like, I need to, to lose weight. I need to eat healthy. I need to exercise more. Anybody? Uh, save money. I need to make better investment choices, right? Those are just all examples of things that we resolve to do, to do better than we did last year. Um, but I want to encourage us today uh, to make the resolve to be more godly, to be more like Jesus in everything that we do and say. And I imagine that's a goal that we always have, but I know it's one of those things that's not always that popular. We always have these temporary physical things that I can see that I want to resolve to do or not to do, but today we want to be encouraged to make our resolve to be more godly. And we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. We're going to look at two different options as far as what we can resolve to do. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. It says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Now, I don't know how many people get excited about this resolve for physical training and, and getting into shape. You know, the idea of doing push-ups, 
and running and eating, neglecting my, you know, refusing to eat certain things in life is not something that I get real excited about. But I know people do. And there are some positives to have physical training. I, I did a little research. I tried to come up with a few of my own benefits to physical training. One is a healthy checkup at the doctor's. Right? You go to the doctor's, they give you the A-OK, and you're good to go for another year or two. It's not fun to go to the doctor's and find out that you have some medical problem. Uh, when I'm healthy, I feel better and uh, because my body, body is running better. If I'm, if I'm exercising, if I'm eating the proper foods, my body's going to run better, and I'm just going to feel better. I'm going to look as good as I can. Now, you might say that's not that good, but I'm, go- I'm going to be doing the best that I can as far as uh, of having muscles, of being lean, of, of my skin tone, of, of everything about that, it's going to be as good as it can be. Um, endurance. If I'm physically fit, I'm going to have... She's still laughing about that? I'm going to have in better endurance in life if I'm healthy, right? If, I'm, if, I'm, if I've been out running, then when I get on the basketball court, it's going to be easy for me to keep going. I'm going to be able to, at work, I'm going to be able to keep lifting whatever it takes because I'm in shape. Playing with the grandkids, you know, if you get huffing and puffing because you're not in shape and the kids are, or you can't keep up with them. Uh, recovery time is better. If you're, if you're healthy, if you're in shape and you do happen to get sick, your recovery time is going to be much better if you are physically fit. And hopefully it will keep you from getting sick in the first place, but it will at least help you. And there's lots of other benefits to being physically fit, but that's not my goal. This message isn't to try to convince you to get on a treadmill or to go lift weights or exercise and that kind of thing. It is true, though. It says physical training is of some value. And you already know that, and I already know that, right? You look on the TV or in the ads, you have treadmills galore, and you have weight workout machines, and you have all sorts of exercises and all sorts of things that people are cramming this time of year because they know that it is good. But physical training and the health benefits are temporary because people who are healthy still get sick. People who are healthy still die. It doesn't keep you from those things. The 25-year-old studs who's got muscles coming out of their earlobes, because they got them everywhere, guess what? In 20 years, guess what? Those aren't going to be quite as tight and as strong as they used to be. They're going to sag. It's going, they're just not going to be as, as good-looking as they were back when, because it doesn't last. Wrinkles come. You just cannot stop the deterioration of your body. You want to. It's, everybody's always trying to do that, but it's just not something that we can stop. But what we can do is that we can aim at something different. We can aim at something that's going to have eternal value. We all know what it's like when you think of the the temporary things. If you ever visit anybody in the nursing home, they say, remember the good old days? Remember what I used to do? I used to be able to lift those weights. I used to be able to run for those that great lengths. I used to be able to accomplish all these things. Those are temporary. They're great and they're good, but they're temporary. So... The goal today is to not focus on the temporary. You want to do those things. You want to be the best basketball player. Great. You want to be the best employee. You want to be the best in shape that your body can possibly be. Go for it. But don't make that your only goal in life. Make it your goal to be godly just as well. So the first thing is physical training is of some value. The second part is, is what we need is to have is spiritual training. Physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for this life and the life to come. So if you look at your bulletin on the back, it has a simple definition of godliness. It's to worship God in our everyday lives, including pleasing God in everything we think, 
we do and we say. If we make that our goal, there's going to be a benefit in this life as well as in the next life. And I realize that's not something that people get real excited about, you know, because when it, when it comes to being more godly, how many people get a raise in life because I'm more godly? Maybe if you're a pastor or a missionary, you might, you might get a raise based off of that, but the average person doesn't. You don't get promoted for being godly. And the, the, your boss is going to look and say, yeah, because you, you're, you're, you're demonstrating it, but not specifically because you're godly. There's no godliness hall of fame, right? That you're going to get up to heaven or, or on the wall where it says, yep, there's Leslie, there's Marcia, there's Noah. These guys are all in the godly hall of fame. And it's like, I can't see that. Godliness is something that I, that I show out in my life, but I can see uh, that I scored 20 extra points in a basketball game. I can see that I'm, I'm running two, my mile two minutes quicker than before. And I can see all these physical benefits, but the spiritual is like a, seems like a whole other world at times. Because I cannot see it, and so it's easy to forget about that part. But I want to say, there's benefits in this life, and there's also benefits in the next life. One of the benefits, and these are not an all-inclusive list of the benefits of godliness in this life, one is just peace that passes all understanding. You know, if my, if my focus in this life is, is, tr- is trying to make money now, of, tr- of trying to... Uh, by my satisfaction, my hope, and my confidence, I'm not going to have much peace because bad things happen. People die. The stock market crashes. I lose my job. And then you're, you're always going like this if you're basing your, your, your hope in something else. Uh, we have consistent hope. And it's, it's, we have, uh, it's based on, on God, and that's, that's something that's consistent. I know this gal, her name is Dolores, uh, back in Davenport, and she's, or she's in a hospital on hospice in Spokane, and she's probably about 90 years old. And I called her and talked to her on the phone. And I've known her for about 20 years. And she's like, she doesn't even sound the same because her voice is distorted because of, of what her body's going through. And she, she's just as in love with the Lord. I mean, she's a prayer warrior. She's been on her back for, for a couple years, not being able to do much. But she's got her hope and it's consistent. It's not based off of I'm having a good day or having a bad day. She knows, she says, I'm going home here soon. You know, and it's like maybe before Christmas. I mean, or maybe before t- tomorrow she's going there. But she has this consistent hope that isn't based off of her, her physical situation because that's going, not going to last. She knows when I get to heaven, that's what's going to be eternal. So she has this peace that passes understanding. She has this consistent hope. She has this joy in knowing that whatever she did for the last 20 years of her life, she did it for the Lord. I know she showed up at VBS. And she would, all she could do is just sit there and help kids learn their Bible verses. And or they would recite their verses every morning when they came in. And that's all that she could do. But she did as much as she could do to serve the Lord. And she had hope and she had joy and she had confidence that, that people don't understand. People who are living for the world right now and say, hey, it's all about my job. It's all about my hobby. It's all about the money. It's all about my family. All about anything else. Those are fine. Those are good things. But when their focus is that, it just goes up and down and you don't have anything consistent. And those things are not going to last. Godliness keeps you out of trouble because you're trying to please the Lord. It keeps you honest. It keeps you with a good name. It, uh, it, you're, you're a good walking testimony of who Jesus is to the people around you. But there's also benefits later on in life. You know, I wish I could tell you that the things that we store up here on earth, that the money in our bank account, we could take that with us. I wish I could say that, you know, the muscles that I acquire and I get big and bulky, those are going too. That just was going to be a heavenly perk. 
but that's not the case. And the ability to shoot three-pointers that I spent hours and hours and hours practicing and perfecting and setting NBA records, I don't think that ability is going to go to heaven with you. I think what you do here on earth has an impact for later, but it's not the physical things that we do as far as what we store up. Those things don't go. Our abilities, those things that we work so hard on in this physical life, this physical training, is not going anywhere. It's going to stay here. So it's important to make sure we focus on godliness for the future. Uh, there's, there's rewards that we're going to get up in heaven. Whatever we do here is going to have an impact there. I don't have a list of these are the rewards you get for these activities. You give money, you help in VBS, you get these kinds of things. I don't know what those are. If there's not a list that I can hand you and show you. Otherwise, I'd be really encouraged, hey, I like that jewel, I'm going to keep doing this. I like this jewel, I'm going to keep doing that. You just don't know. But I can guarantee you that it's worth it. That's all I can do. If you will, will make your goal in life to be godly and serving the Lord now, I guarantee you that it will be worth it because that's for eternity. So it's important to, to be godly. Verse 7 that I did not read, it says, train yourself to be godly. It's something that you have a part in doing and becoming godly. And I feel like the fact that you guys are here today tells me something. It says, I want to be more godly. Now, I know everybody, I'm not saying everybody who did not come did not want to be godly, because they probably did. I know some people I, I talked to on the phone last night are like, I just can't get my chores done and get here on time. Okay, I'm not going to say you're ungodly because of that. But I know that you're here, that you guys said, hey, I want to be more like God. I want to hopefully learn something today that I'm going to be able to apply to my life for the rest of the week. But it's something that you have to train yourself to do. The Greeks back then, when they would think about training themselves, they would think of something like the Olympic Games. And they would, they would take off everything, or the bare minimum, to remove every obstacle that would keep them from, from doing their best. They would get rid of every hindrance that they possibly had in order to be their best at the games that they were going to play. And that's just something temporary. And we understand that because anybody here ever go running in the morning because you want to get in shape for a sport? Or because I want to lose weight? Or we stretch because we know there's a benefit to that? Or I'll keep shooting free throws or keep running laps or keep um, physically doing something? Anybody here ever stay up to read? I want to understand how something works. I need to know this for my job. I need to be better prepared. I'm going to cut out whatever it takes in order to be to know what I need to know. Anybody ever do that? I know I've done that. Uh, anybody ever get up early to go run on a treadmill or to work out or say, hey, I'm going to eat healthy foods and refrain from the unhealthy foods? Anybody ever do that? I'm sure we all have. We all understand what it's like to train in this earth, in this earthly life. And who's, who's my biggest or the biggest motivator in my life? If I'm going to train myself to be godly or to train myself for anything, who's the biggest motivator? It's got to be me. You know, in the morning, sometimes I get up and I go downstairs and I run on a treadmill. Why do I do that? Is it because Leslie's kicking me out of bed? She says, you be, I want your warm spot that I, I spent the last eight hours warming up. And she says, no, you're warmer than I am, so I want it. No, it's like I decide... I want to get up and I want to go downstairs and go walk on the treadmill. But I help myself out. I try to make sure I go to bed on time so that I can get up on time. If I stay up too late, I don't care what time the alarm goes off, I do not want to get up. I make sure that I have my clothes set out so that I'm not trying to pull out, turn on the light, pull out the drawers, pick up whatever I'm going to wear. Leslie doesn't appreciate that. 
And so I, I set it aside. I make sure that I even set my alarm so that I will wake up because I want to do that. But what extent am I willing to go to be more godly this year? Am I willing to go to those extents? Am I willing to, to stay up late, to get up early, to cut out some TV time or my favorite book because I have this goal to read through this whole book in one year? Are you kidding? Read through the Bible in a year? It's like a huge book. But it's possible. It's, it's very simple. There's a lot of online year, read through the Bible in a year. They have a special Bible read through in a year. It's possible. It only takes like 15 minutes a day. We all have, I think, probably 15 minutes if we cut something out. But are we willing to do that? My kids, they go to Awana. They learn verses every week, at least one. Am I willing to learn a verse too? In Sunday school, I learn a verse. Am I, am I willing to? I, I said my kids, I know other people do it. I know I'm supposed to. But am I willing to do it? Am I willing to have that resolve? Am I willing to go to Bible study on a Thursday night? Which I would love to, but I'm at Awana already, so that's, you know, obviously that doesn't happen. But I know that there's other things that will say, hey, I will cut out this in order to do that. But am I willing to do something to be more godly, like go to a Bible study on Thursday night? And the list could go on and on, but it really just comes down to, am I willing? Is it important to me? Do I want to be more godly? The preacher's up here saying it. He's paid to do that. But you live in the real world. And you have a choice. You have, you have way more things pulling at your time than I do. You have way more hobbies. You have way more responsibilities. You have way, way more interest than I do. I don't really even have a lot of interest. But you guys, I know collectively, there's a lot that you have pulling at your time. Are you willing to make it your goal to be more godly? So the, 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 in order to be more godly, you know, like there's two, there's two types, there's, or there's two sides to the coin. There's physical training and there's spiritual training. You have the temporary versus eternal. And to some extent, you can't have both. You can't be physically fit and be godly. You can't be the best on your basketball team and be godly. You can't be the best in your job and be godly. You can, you can do both, but when it comes down to it, I hope that you're willing, and me, to put as much effort into being godly as I am into all these other things. So there's, there's, I want, so that's a lot of what I want to do. I want to be more godly, right? But there's also the other side to it, where I, I, I need to help myself out, because this is a very ungodly world. You can't help but, when you turn on the TV, when you go to the stores, when you're hanging around people, there's ungodly things popping up all the time. So in order to help ourselves to be more godly, sometimes we've got to help ourselves to be more godly. And we're going to look at just a, quickly a few different ways to do that. In Matthew 5, 29 and 30, Jesus is talking to the people about the wrongs of lust and the wrongs of adultery and saying, hey, if you do this, I mean, it, it's wrong to, to have adultery, but if you look at somebody lustfully in your heart, guess what? You've committed adultery in your mind. And so that's almost just as bad as what they have already done. And he says, this is how you deal with it. He said, if there's something in your life that's not right, gouge it out and throw it away. But we're not going to stop and just say adultery or lust or, or those kinds of things. There's all sorts of things in our life. If it's not right, you gouge it out and throw it away. It says, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Anybody want to say, ow? Right? 
I like this right hand. I like this right eye. I mean, without those things, I really am helpless. And I like my left eye, and I like my left hand. And I don't want to get rid of those, these things because I need those things. But he's saying it's better to get rid of those. And obviously, he's not talking about your hand or your eye. He's talking about those things in your life that, that cause you to be ungodly, that cause temptation in your life. He says it's just better to get rid of those things and, and be godly than to keep those things and to be ungodly. And it's going to be painful. I, you know what? One of the first things we did when we got married, oh, I, I was like, what did I get myself into? We got rid of our TV. We have a TV, but we just watch movies. But you know what? There's so much stuff on there that's just popping up. And it's like, I, I didn't mean to see that. I wasn't trying to see that. And there's just all these things coming up. So I guess what? I got rid of it. And I was not a happy camper <laughs> for a long time. Now, after 15 years, I'm like, okay, I understand the value of this. You know, and having kids and trying to do the same thing. But it's going to hurt. I'm not saying get rid of your TV. Don't do that. If, 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 But I'm just saying that was just something in my own life I had to get rid of and it was painful. So it's going to be hard on you if you're going to cut out those things in your life that are going to be ungodly. And it's going to be hard on the people around you because they're going to say, well, how come, how come we can't go watch this movie? How come we can't sit and talk about this? How come we can't go to that bar anymore? How come we can't do... X, Y, and Z that we always did. And they're not going to understand it. They're going to say, well, Josh is no fun. I don't want to do those things anymore with him because obviously he can't. So it's going to be hard on everybody. And when you cut off your hand, when you poke out your eye, guess what? It's permanent, right? It's not coming back. I mean, there's miracle things that they, they can try to do. I know people who have cut off their thumbs and they can put them right back on. Because they can do that. But if you keep it off for long enough, there's nothing they can do because that hand dies. It's not connected to the body. But it's something permanent. And that's painful. But Romans 13, 14 says, uh, make no provisions for the flesh. Any possible thing in my life that's going to provide a temptation for me that I can get rid of, guess what I need to do? I need to get rid of it. Um, I know I know it's easy to try to keep the temptation around. I know a couple of people who have tried to quit smoking. One person kept the cigarette pack in the house. I'm going to quit smoking, but I'm just going to hang on to this carton because, after all, I spent money on this thing. But I'm going to try to give up smoking, and guess what? Guess how long that lasted? I think like a day, you know. And, and somebody else has tried to quit. They, they did quit smoking and then for some reason decided, I'm going to go buy this pack of cigarettes and just to see if I can... Smoke and then stop again. And guess what they still do now? They still smoke. They, they can't stop the second time because they're making provisions. They're providing an opportunity for them to face this temptation. And the best thing to do is to just get rid of it. But we can only do so much to protect ourselves, right? The person, when I sit at lunchtime with a whole group of people and all they want to do is gossip, and I, and I say, okay, I'm going to get rid of that, uh, there's only there's so much you can do. There's so much there's so many so many movies you can get rid of. There's only the, the stores where you know where that whatever that is at whatever kind of store you say I can't be near that because I'm going to go buy that or I'm going to be tempted by that. There's only so much that you can do to get rid of those things. You can say I'm not going to the store. I'm not turning on the TV. I'm not hanging out with those people. But guess what? There's only so much you can do because you still go to work. You still got to buy food from somewhere. You still got to. Um, you still got to be around those different things. At some point, you're going to have temptation staring you right in the face. Whether you're asking for it or whether you're not, you're going to still go to a store, 
You're still going to still hang out with people. But what are you going to do when that temptation is facing you? Are you going to like, oh, well, I'm not really looking at it, or that person, I'm just going to kind of keep making glances. Am I going to flirt with that possibility? Am I going to say, hey, I'm going to just check it out, see how tough I am, see if I can endure it this time? No, you're not going to do that. Here's what you're going to do. 2 Timothy 2.22 says to run. Run it. So A, you've already cut it out of your life. B, it just happens to show up on you and you're, you're not expecting it. 2 Timothy 2.22 says to flee youthful lust. And I know the very first thing that comes to everybody's mind in the whole entire world is it's some guy struggling with pornography and, he's, and that kind of thing. And they say, that's lust. Man, that guy should do that. Get rid of that. He should run away from that. And that's true. But that's not the only thing that's counted as far as lusting goes. We can lust after power, right? It's, it's a desire in my life that goes against what God wants. When I, when I, I'm, I'm lusting for knowledge, right? When, when my friends are talking about somebody, I want to hear the juicy details. I want to tell the juicy de- details. Uh, I want revenge. I'm lusting after revenge because somebody has done me wrong. I want to get back even with them because I just I got all these feelings inside and I got to run from it. I can't handle it. I don't need to think about it. I don't need to try to figure out how could I actually get away with this. I got to run from that temptation. But you know, if you if you decide, uh, let me just pick on uh, at nighttime, you're going to get rid of your TV. Let's just say because that's the easiest one. Well, you come home from work and you're sitting on the couch. Well, guess what's there? I mean, even if the TV is gone, you still got this great big hole there, right? Because I got this two hours block of time that this is what I used to do. Or when I go to my lunchroom, I still have time, right? I still got this half an hour time to eat. You still got a hole there. And so you got to do something with it because time doesn't fast forward, right? You still got to go through that same 8 to 10 p.m., that 12 to 12.30. You still got to go through that time. And so what do you do? I've cut everything out. I'm, I'm running away from what's wrong. What do I do now? 2 Timothy 2.22 says, pursue something. It says, flee the desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. When you cut something bad out of your life, like I want to quit drinking and uh, I want to quit smoking or I want to quit watching these TV shows, you cut it out of your life, but you still have something there. You've got to replace it with something. You know what? I, I, I got this habit of eating snacks at night. Instead of eating chocolate, I'm going to replace it with celery. Ugh. You know? But it's something. You replace something bad or something good. He says, pursue righteousness. Right? I have this, this temptation that's wrong. This book that I want to read or these people I want to hang out with. I'm going the opposite direction. But I'm not going to run wild like I, I don't know where I'm going. Because ultimately, I'm going to be like... Well, that looked a lot better than what I'm doing. I've got to have a goal in mind to shoot for. So you run from something bad, but you've got to run to something good. You've got to run to something righteous. The most righteous thing you can run to is Jesus, right? You can run to his word. You can replace it. I don't want to read this book for two hours, you know, but do, try it anyway. I don't want to, I'd rather be watching TV. I'd rather be talking to those people. Find somebody else. Find something else. You've got to replace something bad with something good. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and joy. And it says, do it with other people. I know it's easy to be a lone ranger. You know, I'm struggling with this X, Y, and Z, but I can't handle it on my own. And that's okay. We're humans. It's okay to rely on each other. 
pursue something else, but grab a buddy and do it with you. Because chances are they could use the same kind of motivation and encouragement that you are trying to get from them as well. So tomorrow's a new day. There's no guarantee that it's coming. So I'd say start today. Start your resolve today to, to X those bad things out of my life. Not just to give it one last hurrah because it's the, the end of this year and I'll start tomorrow. Start today. Today is the start of a, the rest of your life. There's no guarantee tomorrow is going to come, though I hope it does for each of us unless God takes us collectively. You know, that's the only way I'm looking forward to anybody leaving. But you got to... Uh, We've got to make our goal to be godly, to make sure that everything we say, do, or think makes God happy, that represents Him. The things that aren't, cut them out of your life. When they, when they are staring you in the face, run from them and pursue something else. And I just want to encourage you and challenge you to do that. Make your goal to be godly this year. And, and if you, can you look back even at this point in your life and say, you know what, it's the end of 2017. Am I more godly now than I was when the year started? I mean, has, has my life represented him like it was supposed to back in January? Has it improved? Have I grown my knowledge of God and the way that I'm living it out? Or am I going backwards? And that's something that only you can decide for yourself. And so I just want to challenge you, make your goal to, to be more fit. Make your goal to make more three-pointers. Make it your goal to be show up on time work. Whatever it is, great, keep those goals. But make it your goal to be godly in all those things as well. There's benefit now and there's benefit forever. And so I just encourage you to, to do that as well as I, I'm praying that God will give me the same desire for myself. Let's pray. Dear God, it's the end of 2017. God, we don't have the guarantee that there's going to be tomorrow. Uh, we're all looking forward to it and expecting it. Uh, but God, we know that you're going to come back at some point where we're not expecting. And I just pray that God, you would help us to be more godly today than we were yesterday. And we'd be more godly tomorrow than we were today. And I know, God, it's a tough a goal to shoot for, God. There's so many other seemingly more interesting things to aim at. And I just pray that, God, you give us the desire and the goal to be godly. I pray that you show us where we fall short and you'd help us to to excel in the, in the areas that we struggle with. I just pray for anybody here who wants to be more godly that you just bless them with that ability and that desire in the year 2018. In Jesus' name I pray.